It's a beautiful Halloween night, and there is a cool breeze blowing. The parties are almost over, and the porch lights are going out. But you are not ready for your favorite night of the year to end. You have an amazing idea, the wise guy that you are. So you turn to your friends and blurt out, Who wants to go for a walk in the woods under the full moon? Some eager for a scare, others scared not to act eager. They all agree. But what will you do when your imagination turns to reality? Will your heart race when you hear that long, eerie howl deep in the woods? Will your friends stick around, or will they leave you standing there alone? I bet you jump when you hear twigs snapping behind you. It could be your imagination, or maybe you just scare easily. What was that? A snarl? Is it just paranoia, or can you actually feel its steamy breath moistening the back of your neck? Is that smell of rotten flesh your imagination, too? It is a long run back to your house. Don't trip. The Werewolf The monster I have feared most since the first werewolf movie I saw as a kid. After Silver Bullet, I rarely ventured outside after dark alone, but when I did, I ran. It's unclear exactly when and where the werewolf legend was born, but it took root in our culture and has terrified young and old for centuries. What is a werewolf? What is its known history? Is it dangerous? And how do we kill it? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week, we are discussing the legendary mythical creature, the werewolf, a man-wolf beast that dates back to the 16th century, a creature straight from your nightmares. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. 
If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. The rain was tickling Ellie's nose as she was trying frantically to close the jammed umbrella so she could get into her car. She tried to remember why she chose one of the rainiest cities in the country as her home. Mardi Gras, 2017. She had partied with her friends from college. They had planned their annual reunion in New Orleans around Mardi Gras that year, and Ellie had fallen in love with the city. The architecture, the history and the wonderful French cuisine. That is why she fell in love with this soggy city. Not to mention the treasure she found in the antique stores. She had saved her money and packed up and moved the very next summer. Opening her own antique store took a couple of months. Finding a location and then searching for treasures to stock it with wasn't something that could be done in a week. Quicker than she could have hoped, the store was open by the third month and had a steady flow of customers. She didn't really have any regrets. She loved it here. But the second hurricane of the season was brewing before the rain from that last one had barely stopped. When Layla called a week ago and invited Ellie to an impromptu trip to San Diego, Ellie jumped at the chance to spend a week in the sun. So today, despite the downpour, she was headed to the airport to catch a flight to San Diego. Upon arriving at the airport, Ellie was alarmed when she saw how many flights had been canceled already. In a panic, she desperately searched for her flight on the list and was relieved to see that it was one of the two that were still scheduled. A lot of people would be scared to fly in this weather, but Ellie's dad was a Marine and she had spent a lot of time flying when she was growing up, moving from place to place. Ellie boarded the plane and noticed that there were a lot of empty seats. People get so paranoid about airplanes and storms that most of them cancel and drive, but Ellie trusted flying more than her own driving. She was trying to shove her carry-on into the overhead bin, which wasn't an easy task when you're only five foot two, when she felt a tug at her coat. Ellie looked down into the large eyes of a cute little old lady. She looked up at Ellie and said, Honey, I know you. Ellie smiled and replied patiently, Maybe, but I don't think so. The little old lady leaned back in her seat but kept her eyes fixed on Ellie. Ellie grimaced a little when she realized her seat was right across the aisle from the little woman. She settled in her seat, fastened her seat belt, leaned back and closed her eyes. She could feel the little old lady's eyes on her, but was determined to appear like she was trying to rest. Ellie jumped when she felt a cold hand on her arm. She opened her eyes and the lady was looking at her in a way that gave her chills. In a deep attempt at a whisper, the little lady said, I remember you now. How I know you, that is. I had a dream about you. I know it sounds crazy, but... There is no mistaking those pretty blue eyes of yours.
She was making Ellie nervous, but she wasn't sure why. After all, she was just a harmless little old lady. Ellie was intrigued, despite the unsettling effect this situation had on her, and she thought to herself, Okay, just humor her, and maybe she will leave you alone. Ellie cleared her voice and looked into the little lady's eyes patiently. What was your dream about? My name is Maggie. You can call me Mag, the lady began. I dreamed that you were running in the forest. You were scared. I tried to yell at you, but you couldn't hear me. I guess because I wasn't really there. But anyways, what is your name? Ellie sighed, maintaining her patience. Sorry, my name is Ellie. So what happened next in your dream? Well, said Mag, you were running from wolves. They were snipping and snarling at you. I just knew they were going to get you. I am sure this all sounds creepy or maybe just a minute but I felt a strange responsibility to tell you. Ellie, a little creeped out, but mostly glad the conversation was coming to an end, smiled back at the woman reassuringly. I am headed to San Diego, and I don't believe there are any wolves there, but I will definitely keep an eye out. The little lady looked at her skeptically, unconvinced, but just patted Ellie on the arm sweetly. Honey, just stay away from the wolves. They are everywhere. With that said, she leaned back in her seat and within moments, even before takeoff, she was snoring. The flight turned out to be the bumpiest flight Ellie had ever been on, but halfway through finally smoothed out and she too drifted off to sleep. The plane landed at San Diego International Airport just after 7 p.m., where Layla had a driver waiting to take Ellie to her apartment. Layla had just finished law school and was working at her father's law firm. Being born into money, she never had to settle or do without anything. She had left a note with the driver for Ellie explaining that she had left instructions with the front desk of her building to escort Ellie with her luggage up to the apartment and that she should be home by nine. As Ellie walked into Layla's apartment, she was astonished. Everything was so white and shiny. It was breathtaking. In the foyer was a little tiny note card with her name on it standing on a table. She opened it and read, There are two extra rooms. You pick which one you want. There is also a bottle of wine chilling in the kitchen. Crack it open and get a head start. I will be back soon. Make yourself at home and welcome to America's finest city. Love, Layla. Ellie looked around to get the lay of the place. It was remarkable. She thought the apartment was breathtaking, but the view from the huge living room windows was unbelievable. She found the extra rooms and decided on the one that had the fluffier-looking bed. After unpacking and putting her things away, she headed to the kitchen to find that bottle of wine. She had just finished filling her glass when she heard the entry door open. Ellie, are you here? Layla said. Yes, I'm in the kitchen, making myself at home. 
Ellie giggled. Layla rounded the corner and Ellie let out a whistle. Wow, you look more amazing than ever. All grown up and professional. Layla had always been fit. Working out every day was a mandatory part of her life. You don't look so bad yourself. Have you been hitting the gym? Layla asked. But Ellie figured she was just being nice. Her only workout was packing and unpacking shipments as they came into the store. She did inherit her mom's good genes, though, and had an amazing metabolism. After spending a good half hour catching up and sipping wine in front of the fireplace, they both decided to head to bed. Layla said she had the next four days off and had an itinerary planned for showing Ellie the town. Up bright and early the next morning, Ellie could not contain her excitement. Layla was already up and cooking breakfast. Egg white omelets. No surprise there. But she knew how to cook, so Ellie was not disappointed. They discussed their plans for the day over a cup of coffee after breakfast. Layla wanted to show Ellie where she worked and take her to a couple of amazing antique stores she had found. That was just day one. She had a detailed hour-by-hour schedule of things to do. They also did some more catching up. Ellie told Layla about the amazing finds she had made for the shop in New Orleans and about the wonderful people she had met that made up her small block community. When she had finished, she asked Layla, So what kind of work have you been doing at the firm? Are they letting you lead on any of the cases? Layla shrugged and explained, I am almost there. Right now, I am mostly doing research for the cases that come in, but there is a new case that I'm hoping to play a bigger part in. It's pretty gory. Some homeless guy got arrested after being found with two corpses that looked like he had been eating them. Dang, Ellie exclaimed. That is brutal. Are you sure that is something you want to work on? You can't unsee that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely, Layla replied adamantly. I am going to be doing this for the rest of my life. I am sure I will never forget it, but there will be many more cases that will be equally disturbing. I have to get used to it. Abruptly, Layla changed the subject. Hey, did you bring something hot to wear out? I want to take you to this cocktail lounge I discovered. It is like an old speakeasy, but with class. They serve the most amazing drinks, and who knows, we might meet a couple of nice guys. But you are mine this weekend, so don't go running off with any of them. Okay, Ellie laughed. I am yours and yours alone. What's the name of this place? Layla arched her eyebrows, trying to be ominous. It's called Raised by Wolves. Ellie got a chill as she remembered the little old lady on the plane. After a full day of shopping and seeing as much as they could see in the city, Ellie was not sure if she would make it through an evening of cocktails and socializing, but she would give it her best shot for Layla. Layla had been her closest friend for close to 10 years. They had met on their first day of college. They had been with each other through the good and the bad, and would do just about anything for each other. 
Ellie had packed a little pink sundress and some wedged heels that would be sufficient for a night out. After a quick shower, a dab of makeup, and a messy bun, she was quite satisfied with her look. Layla wore a black silky form-fitting mini dress and looked chic and stunning as usual. Ellie seemed to catch a burst of energy that she was thankful for as they headed out for the evening. She would need all the energy she could summon to keep up with Layla. The bar was even more astounding than Layla had promised, even if the fact that it was located inside a shopping mall was a little offsetting at first. Ellie felt as if she had been transported into a strange new world. The storefront mimicked a 1920s liquor store with bottles of alcohol of every kind for sale. The entrance to the bar was built as if the bar was a secret. They had to request entrance from the hostess, and she escorted them to the fireplace that spun through to what looked like an old French library, dating back a century at least. The place was beautiful, but with an eerie ambience as the central theme of decoration was books and canines. The old world decor and the oak-clad walls gave this hidden cocktail bar a sense of mystery and opulence. Layla led her to the bar, which was in the middle of the room. It was unique in that it was round unlike the long walls of most bars. The bar was full, but as they approached, a couple was getting ready to leave and offered them their stools. Once seated, the bartender suddenly appeared in front of them. He was as breathtaking as the bar. He had a rugged yet refined look, with dark hair and equally dark eyes, and a smile that made Ellie blush. Welcome to Raised by Wolves. What can I do for you ladies? Ellie exchanged looks with Layla and raised her eyebrows. Layla looked back at the bartender and said, Why don't you give us something wild? As if it was even possible, the bartender's smile got even bigger as he said, I think I have something extremely wild that you ladies would love. He returned a few moments later with two martini glasses filled with a pink creamy substance. Ellie sniffed her drink and asked, What is it? He flashed white teeth at her again with a mischievous look on his face and said, that, my dear, is the big bad wolf. Layla giggled. That is definitely wild. Finally, both simultaneously took their first sip and were pleased. The drink had a very smooth, sweet taste. After that, they were relaxed and enjoying the environment and each other's company. They talked about the old days and their current line of work while all the while following their starting drink with a wolf in sheep's clothing and a fox on the run. Ellie was starting to think that these drinks were what the little old lady on the plane had been warning her about. Maybe she was psychic. It wasn't until she was finishing up her last drink that Ellie started to feel dizzy. She could usually handle her alcohol, but just three drinks in and she was having trouble making out the faces around her. Layla had been approached by a business colleague. She could discern that, 
but where she went, Ellie had no idea. She was tempted to lay her head down on the bar, but that would be humiliating. The spinning was getting worse, and she was afraid she was going to pass out. She vaguely felt the bartender, at least she thought that was him, place a warm hand on her wrist. A silky voice asked her, Would you like to lie down? We have a comfortable place for that. If she wasn't losing her grip so fast, she would probably have been scared. But she irrationally thought that Layla was probably keeping an eye on her. The last thing Ellie remembered before darkness totally claimed her was a soft, fluffy satay in a deep purple color as she lowered her head onto it, and in the distance, she could have sworn she heard a lone wolf's howl. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Attention all mystery lovers. Dive into the captivating world of June's Journey, the hidden object game that will awaken your inner detective. Join June Parker on her quest to uncover the shocking truth behind her sister's murder in the glamorous 1920s. I'm a couple of chapters in, and I love unlocking new pieces to the mystery after each hidden item search. The beautifully detailed scenes, from New York's finest parlors to the charming sidewalks of Paris, make the experience truly immersive. As you progress, you'll also get to build and customize your very own island estate, complete with stunning gardens and luxurious buildings. Gather compelling evidence, decipher cleverly hidden clues, and unravel the dark secrets of the Parker family. Each twist and turn will keep you on the edge of your seat, eager to crack the case. Cooperate or compete against other players in the detective club, and you'll even get a chance to play in a detective league to test your skills. Are you ready to jump back in time, detectives? Download June's Journey for free today in iOS and Android. A werewolf is described in European folklore as a man who, due to a curse or affliction, turns into a wolf at night and devours animals, humans, and even corpses. When the sun rises, the werewolf turns back into its human form. Some werewolves are said to change shape by will, and some are said to change involuntarily during the rise of the full moon. Werewolves who transform by will and theory are genetic werewolves, born with a curse or a gene passed down by one or both parents and can transform any time of the day or month. Werewolves who transform involuntarily, usually triggered by the full moon, are theorized to have been bitten or in some other ways have had the curse or disease passed on through their blood. Both types of werewolves are equally powerful, but a genetic werewolf has the elements of surprise and opportunity because he or she has 29 or more days and nights that they can turn. During transformation, the human grows sharp teeth, more hair covers the body, nails become like claws, and facial features including the nose, eyes, and mouth become larger. The body increases in muscle mass and overall size. The process of becoming a werewolf 
is most likely quite painful. Bones forcibly elongate and change their shape, sometimes moving so drastically that they rupture a person's skin. From beginning to end, the transformation can take several minutes, and the result is a creature who is part human and part wolf in varying proportions. Lycan and a werewolf are two distinct mythical or folkloric creatures. The term lycan was first mentioned in Greek folklores, while werewolf traces its origin in Old English folklore, specifically in the Americas following the Spanish invasion. The Greek folklores described lycan as a naked man who ran through the streets biting anyone he encountered using his bare teeth. Some other folklore described it as lunacy, as time passed, these narratives transformed into what we know today as the story of a man transforming into wolf. Werewolf, on the other hand, is a folkloric creature of English origin. The English folklores described werewolf as a man who transformed into a wolf at night and gobbled up humans, corpses, and animals. However, during the daytime, they transform into human beings. Another ability that a werewolf may have, that you may not know about, is its ability to share its thoughts with other werewolves, therefore keeping a pack mentality. Werewolves are notorious for their inhuman strength and speed and have deadly claws and teeth that can easily tear flesh into shreds. Often one bite is lethal. Each tooth and claws are coated with bacteria that can be passed on to surviving victims. If a werewolf is injured while in its wolf form, it will appear on his or her human form, leading to their possible detection. Some believe that the werewolf has the power to regenerate and heal quickly, making them near impossible to kill. The most common method known to kill a werewolf is to strike it with a silver bullet or a silver blade. But there are many other methods that are believed to be potentially lethal to the creature. In medieval Europe, werewolves can be cured of their curse by wolfsbane, a special flowering plant, also known as a monkshood, or by exorcism. Both can be deadly. There are over 250 species of these plants found mainly in the native parts of the Northern Hemisphere in North America. Most of these plants are extremely poisonous to humans as well and must be dealt with very carefully. Werewolves are notorious for being able to take abuse due to its quick healing regeneration capability. So if you encounter one, your first plan of action should be distance. No matter what weapon you choose, this beast is going to put up a fight, and without distance, you most likely won't outlast it. When you choose to distance yourself from a werewolf, it is best to stay on the ground or within fortified walls, Climbing a tree or trying to distance yourself by height is a mistake because werewolves are skilled climbers. Most knives, swords, and other sharp objects can effectively injure a werewolf, but these things require proximity and because of its strength, size, and speed, without being a ninja or a character from a Marvel comic book, your chances of surviving are quite low. 
It's unclear exactly when and where the werewolf legend originated. Some scholars believe the werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh. In 1849, in the ancient city of Nineveh in northern Iraq, archaeologists were digging through dusty remains while looking for proof that the Bible stories were true. But instead, they found one of the oldest libraries in the world. Inscribed on crumbling clay tablets was a 4,000-year-old story called The Epic of Gilgamesh. The story begins with the king of the city of Uruk, whose name was Gilgamesh. The king greedily crashed every wedding in the city and slept with every bride before the brides had a chance to sleep with their husbands. To distract Gilgamesh from the chaos and destruction he was causing his own city, the god Anu created the wild man Enkidu, half man, half beast, to be Gilgamesh's equal. After Gilgamesh barely defeated Inkabu in battle, the two became like brothers. With Inkabu by his side, they set out to prove their power by killing a divine bull sent by the goddess Ishtar to destroy them. They succeeded, but as revenge, the gods then killed Inkadu. Fearing the same fate, Gilgamesh set out to obtain immortality. After many attempts, he finally found a magical plant that would give him immortality, but shortly after, the plant was stolen by a snake. Finally accepting his mortality, Gilgamesh returned home, and upon seeing the beauty of his own city, he swore to spend the remainder of his life doing good deeds. Gilgamesh turned down the goddess of fertility, who wanted to sleep with him. It may have been due to his oath, or it may be because she turned a former lover, a shepherd, into a wolf. Thus the beginning of the curse of the werewolf in European history, as far as we know. There are similar tales in Greek mythology of Zeus turning boys into wolves, and Nordic myths of a father and son turning into wolves for ten days. While these myths exist, there is only a slight connection between these stories and what we think of today as a werewolf. Across the sea in Europe, hundreds of years before the Salem witch trials, similar events took place, this time involving persons accused of lycanthropy or shape-shifting into werewolves. Starting in the 16th century and lasting through the 18th, Europe saw a string of these trials that would put America's witch trials to shame. In France, there were accusations of men transforming into a werewolf that spread throughout the continent. These men and women were often accused of Satanism, then tortured, mutilated, and worse, even though many of them were clearly mentally ill. In Polygyny, France in 1521, the authorities of Polygyny accused Michel Verdun of being a werewolf after wolves killed several locals. The officials showed up at the home of Verdun. They took him into custody, and after a lengthy torture session, he confessed to being a werewolf, along with his two friends, Pierre Burgot and Philibert Montault. It is said that the man claimed to have killed many victims, for as they said, 
They love to lap up the warm flowing blood. Borgol told the authorities that they had made a deal with a man dressed in black in exchange for the rejection of their belief in God. Soon after, all three men were hanged. In another story connected to an actual crime, Jacques Roulette, also known as the Werewolf of Angers, or the Werewolf of Cod, after two French towns, was found wounded and half-naked near the mutilated corpse of a teenage boy. There were wolves also spotted at the scene. Needing no further evidence than these circumstances, he was arrested. Roulette confessed immediately and even boasted that he had killed and eaten many children before. You might say Roulette got lucky or not. He was found feeble-minded and sent to the 16th century equivalent of a psychiatric hospital. Before we continue, this episode of Freaky Folklore is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life has its ups and downs, and whether things are going well or not so well, you might find yourself struggling to be happy or motivated. As for me, I often find it difficult to motivate myself enough to stick to a proper diet and exercise regimen, even though both those things end up making me happy. Luckily, finding the help you need has never been easier thanks to BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com slash freaky folklore. You'll find that BetterHelp is not a crisis line, nor is it self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp is an online therapy service that will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Don't worry about awkward waiting rooms. You can connect in a safe and private online environment. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Then you can message your counselor anytime. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that communication is comfortable, clear, and on your terms. Available online, BetterHelp offers to help your need with counselors specializing in depression, anxiety, sleep, grief, and more. Convenient, professional, affordable, and confidential. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash freaky folklore. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Freaky Folklore. Thanks, BetterHelp. After those accusations ran rampant across France and the rest of Europe, many involved tales of a transformational salve. The claims were that the devil had provided them with ointment that they could rub on their bodies to transform and then murder and eat children. In 1572, the bodies of multiple missing children were found by a group of men, half eaten in the woods of Dole, France. Upon finding the children, the group assumed that the children were attacked and eaten by wolves. During the hunt to destroy these dangerous wolves, a member of the group noticed that one of the wolves they were hunting looked coincidentally like his neighbor. That was just enough for them to accuse local Giles Garnier and his wife. The accusations spread like flames and the couple eventually were accused by more than 50 witnesses. Sadly, they were tortured on the rack, which successfully wrung a confession out of them both. Less than a year later, they were burned at the stake. Another disturbing account took place in Bedburg, Germany. On October 31, 1589, Peter Stubb was strapped to a wooden wheel. 
His flesh was torn from his limbs with burning pincers and his arms and legs ripped from his torso. They used the blunt side of an axe head to break his limbs. His head was then cut off and everything burned on a pyre. Alongside him, his daughter watched in horror as she herself was flayed, strangled, and burned alongside him. Prior to his death, Peter Stubb confessed to practicing dark magic starting at the young age of 12. He claimed that the devil gave him a belt that allowed him to transform into a wolf. As a wolf, he killed and then ate 14 children and two pregnant women whose fetuses he ripped from their wombs and described them as dainty morsels. His own son was amongst the 14 child victims. Stubb confessed to having eaten his brain. He was accused of not only committing unholy fornication with his own daughter, but was also accused of sleeping with a succubus sent to him by the devil. Following his death, the townspeople erected a pole in the center of Bedburg, on which they mounted the torture wheel, a wolf figure, and Peter Stubb's head. This period from 1580 to 1662, and the witch trials from 1962 to 1693 is known as the Burning Times. An estimated 50,000 people were burned at the stake, and roughly 80% of them were women. All of these stories, though gruesome and morbid, are true, but the accusations and lies lead you to believe that the idea of these people being werewolves was pure fiction. There are, however, some true werewolf stories in history. Let's take a look at these next. In the 18th century, the former French province of Gévaudan was terrorized by the so-called Beast of Gévaudan. The beast was first spotted by a woman tending cattle in the forest near Langone in June. Her bulls scared it off, but not long after, it attacked and killed a 14-year-old girl. Over the next several months, sightings and attacks mounted. Those who had seen the beast described a large wolf with unusual red fur streaked with black. There were a total of 210 attacks during this time, and of those, 113 were fatal. After the king appointed professional wolf hunters, and they failed to kill the beast that was responsible for the killings, France went on a wolf-killing spree. The wolves were killed one by one until there were almost no wolves left. And finally, the killings on humans and wolves alike stopped. In 1865, a wolf began to prey upon livestock in Ansbach, a city in Bavaria. Soon it set its sights upon both women and children, killing several children within a few months. It was not long before the idea spread that this was no ordinary wolf, but a werewolf. There was no doubt as to who the townspeople believed the werewolf to be. Michael Light, burgomaster of Ansbach, had recently died after his fraudulent and cruel control over the town for many years. The people believed that this hated public officer had managed to cheat death by transferring his spirit into the body of a wolf. Some even swore they saw him attend his own funeral. Wanting even more to kill the wolf upon believing it to be light, they hatched a plan to put an end to it. The hunters prepared a wolf pit, which consisted of a hole with stone walls, about three or four meters deep, 
covered with branches and straw. Pieces of raw meat were placed at the bottom of the well, and often a live bait was used such as sheep, a pig, or a goose. When the wolf smelled the prey, it would wander around the branches covering the pit until it fell in, trapping it. In this case, the bait was a rooster. The wolf fell into the hole and was killed by hunters. But what happened next is the interesting part. The carcass of the animal was paraded through the streets of the town to show the danger was over. The men had prevailed over the beast. But since this was no ordinary wolf, a more grotesque spectacle was staged. After skinning the animal, the men severed its muzzle and placed on its head a cardboard mask with lights features. They dressed it with a wig and a cloak and hanged the wolf by a gibbet erected on a nearby hill so that it was clearly visible. Last but not least, we can't leave out the most famous werewolf of modern day, the Beast of Bray Road. This beast has been sighted beginning for the first time back in 1936 on a road outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. There were more recent sightings in the early 1980s and 1990s, which placed the monster in Racine, Walworth, and Jefferson counties. Witnesses who have seen the beast claim it seemed to be eating, hunting, or scavenging. It is said to be around six feet tall, standing upright and gray with brown fur. Its face resembles that of a wolf, with shiny yellow eyes and pointed ears. But witnesses describe its body, though furry, as looking more like a muscular man. The creature is said to have been running on all fours and also standing on just its hind legs. It has also been seen sitting on its haunches and kneeling like a man. Though it has never attacked anyone, many witnesses claim that it has acted aggressively, running at them and jumping on their vehicles. This creature has been portrayed in media since the first sightings. The number of sightings in the late 1980s and 90s got the attention of a local newspaper, the Walworth County Week, causing them to assign a reporter, Linda Godfrey, to cover the story. Godfrey said that initially she was skeptical, but soon came to believe the story was authentic and later wrote a book titled The Beast of Bray Road, Telling Wisconsin's Werewolf. A story was also written and posted by the BBC News about a wolf-like creature that was shot near a Montana ranch in May of 2018. The story says that a rancher near the town of Denton shot the creature when it came within several hundred meters of his livestock. State wildlife experts said they were unable to pinpoint its species. After inspecting the creature, they said that they doubt it's a wolf as its teeth were too short front paws abnormally small, and claws too large. Strange theories have circulated that it could have been a werewolf. In a news release, the Montana Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks said it was a young female and canid, a member of the dog family that includes dogs, foxes, coyotes, and wolves. They also said that they would have no idea of what it was until they got the DNA report back. They added that it could take a week for the results to come back, but no news of the results can be found online. That was three years ago. 
The report of a possible werewolf by DailyMail.com in May 2016 is alarming. In the woods just outside of Kingston-upon-Hull, a port city in East Yorkshire, England, several werewolf sightings were reported. The report sparked locals to organize a hunt for the beast on the next full moon. Throughout several months prior to that, Witnesses had came forward to speak of spotting a huge hairy creature around Barmston Drain, a man-made channel near the town of Beverly. Some locals believe the sightings were evidence of a mythical Yorkshire beast called Old Stinker. A woman who sighted the potential werewolf in December of that year claimed that it stood upright one moment and the next it was down on all fours running like a dog. She said that she was absolutely terrified. The same witness said that she saw it vault over a 30-foot embankment and then a wall into some allotments. She said that it both ran on two legs and on all fours, as if with the qualities of both human and wolf. Another couple witnessed something they described as tall and hairy, eating a dog next to the channel, which runs throughout the countryside. They added that it jumped over an eight-foot high fence with the animal in its mouth. Another woman, who was walking her dog, said her dog refused to go any further along the path they were walking down. According to the newspaper, locals who believed something could have been lurking around the banks of Barmston Drain planned to go on a hunt on the night of the next full moon. They planned to be armed with cameras to prove their scary sightings were real. Witnesses and folklore experts were quick to link the sightings to the well-known legend Old Stinker. Old Stinker is said to roam in the Yorkshire Wolds, an area of beautiful countryside north of Barmston Drain. The beast is supposed to stalk the Wold Newton Triangle, an area known for mysterious activities. For centuries, tales have circulated of zombies, ghosts, the Old Stinker werewolf, and other paranormal activity. Charles Christian, an author, wrote that Old Stinker is described as a great hairy beast with red eyes, who got his name from his bad breath. Christian also stated that it was known for wolves to dig up corpses from the local graveyards, and from that sprung the idea that they were supernatural beings who took the form of werewolves. He said that when people would glimpse what they thought was the rear lights of a car in front of them, it would instead reveal itself to be the red eyes of a wolf. Now, those well-versed in the paranormal fear that Old Stinker has outgrown his triangular territory and moved to the Barmston Drain. With the richly deep history of the werewolf, it is no wonder that it is one of the most notorious monsters known. It has made an impact on pop culture that would take hours to discuss alone. We can, however, touch on the highlights of werewolves in pop culture. The first werewolf movie was made in 1913, titled simply, The Werewolf. It was a silent short film that was directed by Henry McRae, produced by Bison Film Company, and released by Universal Film Manufacturing Company. The werewolf is now considered a lost film, because all the prints were destroyed in a fire in 1924 at Universal Studios. Between 1913 and 1941, there were four more werewolf movies released, but the most famous of these was the legendary film Wolfman. 
Written by Kurt Siodmak, a German-American novelist and screenwriter. Known for his work in horror and science fiction, this movie was an instant success. Star Lon Chaney Jr. portrays the character Larry Talbot. Talbot, upon the death of his brother, returns home from America to his ancestral home in Wales. He visits a gypsy camp with village girl Jenny Williams who is attacked by Bella, a gypsy who has turned into a werewolf. Talbot kills the werewolf but is bitten during the fight. Bella's mother tells him that this will cause him to become a werewolf at each full moon. Talbot confesses his plight to his unbelieving father, Sir John, who then joins the villagers in a hunt for the wolf. If you love werewolves in classic movie, this one is a must-see. There are, on record, over 150 werewolf movies today, and we never seem to grow tired of them. Every year around Halloween, many people have movies such as the Howling movie series, Silver Bullet, Ginger Snaps, Dog Soldiers, Underworld, and American Werewolf in London on their rewatch list. It is no surprise that with the success of the werewolf in the movie industry, that there have been dozens of television series that wanted to cash in on the popular creature as well. Many of you will remember the original Munsters, and if you will recall, the young son of Lillian Herman Munster, little Eddie Munster, was a werewolf. The Munsters ran for two seasons from 1964 to 1966, with a total of 70 episodes in all. Every television series with a supernatural theme has made sure to add the werewolf to their stories. No one would dare miss the opportunity to bring this scary monster to life in our imaginations while also fattening their wallets just a bit. The big screen and television are not the only places that werewolves have made an enormous impact in pop culture. The amount of literature you can find on the werewolf is even more vast. Two of the most recently famous book series featuring werewolves are the Harry Potter series and the Twilight Saga. The werewolves throughout literature play many different roles, ranging from the villain to the hero and protector of nature and even vampires. Musicians, just like the rest of us, are also fascinated by werewolves, which is made obvious by the long list of songs honoring the creature. You can build a fascinating werewolf playlist featuring Ozzy, Metallica, Thin Lizzy, Styx, and more, who have had their imaginations piqued by the transformation of men into wolves. Everyone remembers Michael Jackson's award-winning video thriller, in which he transforms into a werewolf at the beginning of the video. In this video, Ozzy as a mad scientist drinks a potion and turns into a werewolf. The Welsh heavy metal band Bullet For My Valentine made an inspiring video for their song Walking the Demon. It's about a teenage boy who is beaten and bullied by several of his schoolmates. While little did they know, he was counting down the days until the full moon. On that epic day, he lures the bullies into the woods where he transforms and gets his revenge. The world of animation has a large collection of werewolf stories as well. This list ranges from the children's series PJ Masks to Marvel's The Spider-Man. There are even a few that I remembered that were not on the list I used for this episode, like Scooby-Doo, Garfield and Animaniacs, of course. 
There is a well-known European fairy tale that has made it into numerous books, animations, and movies. That story is Little Red Riding Hood, a story that dates to the 17th century about a little girl, her grandma, and a big bad wolf. The story has been changed considerably in various retellings and is subjected to numerous modern adaptations and readings. This is probably the most notable werewolf type story from many of our childhoods. It seems that werewolves have taken a back seat when it comes to video games. Vampires and zombies are the ones that get the most attention. Yet the inerrant cool factor in being a werewolf gets left behind. It says a lot about how werewolves are viewed, that they're most often presented in video games as mindless, slavering enemies to be pummeled into a fine and slightly furry pulp by the hero. Compared to witches, who have become popular as protagonists and companions, and vampires, who are often charismatic and intelligent, even while they're still cast as the enemy, werewolves often get the short end of the stick in terms of characterization. Here are a few games where werewolves get a fair shake as the villain. Nightmare Creatures is terrifying. This PlayStation 1 and Nintendo 64 action-adventure horror game might seem antiquated and mundane by modern standards, but back in the day, it was downright scary. One of the big baddies of the game is the brutal werewolves. They were no pushovers and could only be defeated with strategy and skill. Bloodborne is a game full of macabre aesthetics and towering monsters. While players do come up against frantic and angry werewolves during their exploration of this dark world, it's the first werewolf at the start of the game that stays in the nightmares of players. Castlevania Lord of Shadows has both regular werewolves and much more powerful werewolves. Gabriel Belmont, the star of the game, takes on all manner of dark and terrifying beasts in his quest to rescue his beloved. However, there is one harrowing werewolf that puts up a formidable fight against Gabriel. Werewolves are fantastical creatures of legend and folklore. They look normal on the outside, but they harbor a secret, a hairy one. Werewolves are half-human, half-beast creatures full of strength, ferocity, cunning, and speed. A full moon only lasts a few days a month. A once-a-month monster does not sound so terrifying. Still, when you wake up the next day and see their destruction and carnage firsthand, you will learn to dread the full moon and pray you are not the next victim. Ellie's skull felt like it was splitting open from the inside out. That was not the only pain she was feeling. She was hurting all over. She was hesitant to open her eyes, but as her mind cleared, she started to feel panic grip her heart. She finally managed to open her eyes, but the pain behind them was almost unbearable. She could make out enough of her surroundings to know that she was in a strange place. She was laying on a dingy mattress in a room built of concrete with what looked like a steel door with one tiny window. It smelled musty like an old soggy basement. Struggling to sit up, Ellie searched her body for injuries and found none. 
trying to understand where she was and how she got there. She could only trace her memories back as far as sitting at the bar with Layla. Oh God, Layla? Was she okay? With adrenaline fed by fear finally kicking in, Ellie stood up quickly, but the spinning in her head almost brought her to her knees until she stabilized herself by leaning on the wall. Ellie, using the wall to brace herself, slowly made her way to the door, almost tripping over something on the floor. Looking down, she saw a wooden dinner tray covered with a matching lid. She kicked it aside with her foot and reached for the door. It was locked. No surprises there, only more panic. Her first instinct was to scream for help, but that would probably just make whoever locked her in this room aware that she was awake, and she wasn't ready to deal with that just yet. Ellie turned around and looked to see if she had missed any other possible way out. There was nothing, just concrete walls, not even a window looking outside only the one tiny window in the door. Looking back down towards her feet, Ellie saw the dinner tray still laying there and hoped maybe there was a clue inside. She cautiously lifted the lid off the tray and beneath was a wide array of food, two bottles of water, and a note. The note read, Ellie, you looked like such a tender morsel that I just could not pass you up. Eat well and hydrate. You will need your energy, my little lamb. Welcome to the hunt. Now completely terrified, and knowing for sure that her time was running out, Ellie spent the next hour trying to figure out how to get the door open. There was no knob or keyhole on the inside. The door was smooth. The hinges must also be on the outside. She tried using the food tray to pry it open, but only managed to destroy the tray. Suddenly, she realized that the tray could be broken up and made into a potential weapon. She grabbed the largest half of the tray and held it against the floor while stomping it with her foot, trying to get it to break. She finally managed to get several pieces broken off, but none of them were pointed or sharp. Frustrated, she dropped down onto the dirty mattress. Trying not to cry, Ellie thought of every possible scenario. Every one ending badly for her. Finally, she decided her best and only bet was to play along. She stood and walked to where she had left the food, laying inside the lid that had covered it. She sat back down with the lid and the food and contemplated the safety of eating this food left by an obvious psychopath. If he wanted her to join a hunt, whatever that may mean, surely he wouldn't drug her. She would need the energy in case at some point she had to fight her way to freedom. She had no idea where she was. She could be in the center of the city or a hundred miles away for all she knew. If the latter was the case, she would need her energy to walk or even run any distance. Finally deciding it was worth the risk, Ellie began to eat. The meal consisted of a sandwich that looked like turkey or chicken with cheese. There was also some celery with peanut butter and an apple. Her stomach was tied in so many knots she was afraid that she would puke the food back up but amazingly she ate every bite and managed to keep it down. 
Ellie leaned her back against the wall as she sat on the mattress. She was remembering the warning she had gotten from the little old lady on the plane. There had been so many signs that the woman might have been onto something, but she had ignored them all. Unintentionally, Ellie dozed off. She snapped to attention when she thought she heard someone at the door. Or, it may be something, because what she heard was scratching, and then it paused and was followed by growling. It sounded a lot like her neighbor's dog did when he got loose and cornered her by the front door of her shop, except this animal sounded much bigger. Ellie picked up the lid from the food tray and threw it at the door. It busted into pieces and the growling stopped, but immediately the door began to shake on its hinges. It was shaking so hard Ellie was sure it would break right off. Then as suddenly as it started, it stopped. It was silent again. Ellie buried her face in her hands and sobbed until she couldn't breathe. She had to get a grip on herself. She had to be ready for whatever came next. So she took a deep breath and said to herself out loud, Be strong, Ellie. You can do this. She had no idea that she had already been in this prison for almost 24 hours. Surely someone was looking for her by now. If Layla wasn't here somewhere, and she hoped she wasn't, she would have already tried to file a missing persons report. What did this person or these people want with her? And why her? What did she do to make herself a target? She had to have been drugged because she usually had an iron stomach when it came to alcohol. She could drive herself crazy trying to figure it all out, or she could just focus on surviving. Suddenly, Ellie heard a thud come from the door, followed by a clinking sound. She held her breath as the door swung open, and she waited for her captor to step into the room. But the door slowly swung open, and nothing else happened. After a couple of minutes, Ellie summoned up enough courage to investigate. With her back against the wall, she slowly eased her way to the door and listened. She didn't hear anything. Could it have just been luck? Ellie slowly peeked around the edge of the door frame. What she saw surprised her. It was the inside of a huge barn. There was moonlight just barely glimmering in through a window in the hayloft. Getting a little braver with each step, Ellie slowly stepped outside of the cell into the barn. She could see an old tractor and a couple of stalls big enough to hold cows or horses, but they seemed empty. Just past the stalls was a huge barn door, and once again luck was on her side. It was wide open. Ellie, playing it safe, tried to stay in the shadows as she slowly edged her way to the open door. She was a few feet away when she heard the growling again, causing her to freeze in terror. It was coming from the other end of the barn. Ellie looked around quickly and saw a rake hanging on the wall. She grabbed it and held it close to her side as she slowly eased her way out the door. She started to run, but then thought to turn and see if the door could be locked. 
What she thought seemed to be an awful lot of good luck that so far had been on her side may have finally run out. The only lock was a long two-by-four that was used to slide down and secure both doors. It may not stop whoever or whatever was following her, but it might slow them down. Thankfully, the moon was full, lighting up her surroundings enough to make a quick decision. Oddly enough, there were no houses that she could see nearby, but there was a dirt road leading into the woods. Ellie dropped the rake because it would just slow her down and took off in a dead run towards the road. It would be darker once the trees blocked the moonlight, but it was a chance she would have to take. If anyone came after her, she could duck into the woods and find some place to hide. The barn slowly disappeared behind her, and she could just barely see the outline of the road in front of her. In high school, Ellie had been on the track team. And in college, Layla had pushed her to run with her every morning before class, but that had been two years ago. The only time she ran these days was to keep from getting drenched during a downpour from the alley behind her shop where she parked to the door. Her lungs were starting to hurt and she was getting a stitch in her side. She would have to rest if she was going to make it out of this place. Ellie stopped and put her hands on her knees and struggled to catch her breath. She was cursing herself for not drinking the other two bottles of water. She hadn't noticed how quiet the night was before until she heard rustling coming from inside the forest. It was close. It was probably just a rabbit or a deer, but just to be safe, Ellie took off and picked up the pace as best she could. From somewhere behind her, Ellie suddenly heard a bone-chilling howl. Remembering the little old lady's voice, she heard her again. Stay away from the wolves. They are everywhere. Those words were now on a constant loop in Ellie's brain. Ellie tried to run faster. She could hear something rustling quickly through the brush just to her left in the woods. Her heart raced as she tried to stay ahead of the sound. It was growing closer with every step, and suddenly... It was not alone. There was a heavy thud and then rustling coming from the opposite side of the road. Ellie tried to peer over her shoulder just enough to see if she could locate where either sound was coming from and maybe identify its source. That was a mistake. Taking her eyes off the road for just a few seconds was enough for her to step in a puddle deep enough to land her face down on the ground. Not only did the impact knock the wind out of her, it left her with two bloody elbows, a busted lip, and a scraped knee. As she lay there, trying to get her lungs to hold air again, she noticed that the rustling had stopped, but had been replaced by heavy breathing and low, threatening growls. Ellie couldn't stand, not yet, so she rolled over and raised herself onto her knees and began to crawl. Every move was painful. But if she had not been sure before, now she was certain that her life depended on getting the hell out of there. She had crawled a few yards favoring her scraped knee when she finally was able to attempt to stand up again. 
Just as she raised herself up straight, a large figure stepped out of the woods and blocked the road before her. It was a wolf. A very large wolf. A grotesquely monstrous-looking wolf. Ellie watched as this massive creature pushed itself up onto its hind legs and stood before her like a man. It had the face of a wolf with long yellow fangs bared at her. Its front legs now looked more like large muscular arms but covered in fur. She watched, awestruck as it stretched its paws and one by one with a popping sound, long clawed fingers emerged. Its legs looked even more powerful than its meaty arms, with large elongated feet. This beast stared down at her, with its glowing yellow eyes, from a height of at least eight feet. The way it looked at her felt strangely familiar, but Ellie did not want to stick around to figure out why. Ignoring her injuries, Ellie bolted, but she chanced to look back behind her, and closing in on both her left and right were two more monstrous wolves walking towards her on all fours. There was nowhere to go. She was trapped. She had to do something quick or be torn to shreds. Ellie didn't hesitate a moment longer. She dove into the underbrush and quickly started making her way through the woods when she heard another long howl. She no longer cared about the scrapes and cuts as she ran through the forest and through the brush without caution, quickly adding to her growing collection of injuries. Ellie could hear the beasts crashing through the woods, snarling. They were gaining on her quick. There was a bright flash of light in front of her. It was a road. There was a car coming. If she could just make it to that car, maybe she would be safe. Her judgment with the added sheer horror she was feeling caused her to misjudge the road and Ellie ran right out in front of the oncoming car. The driver slammed on the brakes and Ellie, without hesitation or invitation, ran and dove into the passenger seat and screamed, Drive! Finally, she was safe. She had made it. Ellie turned and looked out the back window just in time to see the three huge figures emerge from the woods and stand in the road watching the car. No one was ever going to believe this. Ellie, taking a deep breath, sank into the seat and closed her eyes. Ellie, are you okay? Ellie jumped and looked over at the driver. Layla, what the hell are you doing here? How? Layla sighed. I was looking for you, silly. Ellie felt like she was in the middle of a bad dream that didn't make any sense. How, out of all the people, could Layla be the one to be in this random car out in the middle of God knows where? There was a sick feeling of dread beginning to swell in Ellie's stomach. Layla had taken her to the bar. Layla had been drinking with her. Layla was not there when she woke up in the concrete cell. Where had Layla been? Ellie slowly looked over at Layla and asked, You know what's happening, don't you? You're a part of this. Layla giggled. Well, yes, it was my idea. You see, Ellie, we were like a pack in school, and well, 
I found a new pack. We are stronger and we live longer. We are very powerful. I wanted you to be a part of our pack, Ellie, but you had to pass the test. And you did. Layla had started to slow the car and pull onto the side of the dark road. Ellie inhaled sharply when Layla put the car into park and looked over at her. Her eyes were glowing like amber. Ellie started fumbling for the door handle, but it was not there. She backed up into the door, trapped, as Layla started to transform and slowly climb on top of her. Looking down into her eyes, Layla smiled as her yellow fangs were emerging from her gums. Welcome to the pack, Ellie. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other shows featuring terrifying tales, such as the Unexplained Encounters Podcast, which has over 300 episodes showcasing allegedly true scary stories from around the world. If you love the supernatural and mysterious creatures interest you, the Unexplained Encounters Podcast is the show for you. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Tune in next time as Freaky Folklore explores the creepypasta turned modern myth that goes by the name of Tiki Toby. Who needs a social life when you have the voices in your head to keep you company? Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.